We're in 2 Samuel 24, but in chapter 22, David is called the true psalmist of Israel. In chapter 22 is a psalm, a song, where David expresses his heart before the Lord. In chapter 23, we are told that these are the last words of David, the anointed of God, how he was the sweet psalmist of Israel. And David, he admits that it is God who put his words on his tongue. In chapter 23, however, David gives an account of his mighty men that have been loyal to him throughout his kingship. And the last man listed in chapter 23 is Uriah. Uriah, whom David had murdered, and he took Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, and Bathsheba bore David, his son, Solomon. But now we're in chapter 24. Verse 1 of chapter 24, Again the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah. The he in verse 1 is believed to be Satan. How Satan rises up against Israel. First Chronicles uh, 21.1 tells us Satan stands up, comes against Israel. And, uh, and it was Satan who has moved David. He has tempted David to number Israel. Take a census. And God has allowed Satan to do this. To move into David's thought life. To bring about a counting of the people of Israel. And David succumbs to this temptation. So let's read verses 2 through 9 of chapter 24 of 2 Samuel. So the king said to Joab, the commander of his army who was with him, Now go throughout all the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and count the people that I may know the number of the people. And Joab said to the king, Now may the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times more than they are. And may you, the eyes of my lord the king see it. But why does my lord the king desire this thing? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab and against the captains of the army. Therefore Joab and the captains of the army went out from the presence of the king of the, to the court the people to count, excuse me, the people of Israel. And they crossed over the Jordan, camped in Aora, and on the right side of the town, which is in the midst of the ravine of Gad, toward Jezjarzir. Then they came to Gilead and to the land of Tatim, Habshi, and they came to Dan, Jan, and around Sidon. And they came to the stronghold of Tyre and all the cities of the Hivites and the Canaanites. Then they went out to the south 
Judah as far as Beersheba. So when they had gone through all the land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and 20 days. Then Joab gave the sum of the number of the people to the king. And there were in Israel 800,000 valiant men who drew the sword, and the men of Judah were 500,000 men. David has ordered Joab, his general, go throughout all the tribes of Israel, count the people. Count the number of men who can be soldiers. But Joab has a question for David. And he says, uh, David, may the Lord your God add to you a hundredfold above what is already there. And may the Lord allow you to even see this increase, David. But David, why do you as king desire to know this number? Why do you need to know how many soldiers you have in Israel? Joab wants David to think about the order he's given him to take his census. For Joab perhaps knew scripture, and he knew that to take a census was forbidden in Exodus chapter 30, verse 12. Probably Joab realized this. And his question for David, what is your motive? Why are you wanting to count the people? Is it pride, David? It appears that David wants to take ownership of Israel. Perhaps he wants to know if he had enough men in his army, enough men following him, to take a neighboring nation. In Exodus, God speaks of him being the owner of Israel. But David is lifted up in pride. He wants to know the number, wants to know how many soldiers he had, how many men are loyal to me. David, he has seen his kingdom. He has seen Israel grow. He's seen Israel prosper. And David now has his eyes on might and power, and he numbers the people. David is now trusting in the numbers and the strength of Israel. And Joab, he's been tactful. He, he's asked David, why do you desire to know this number? Why are you numbering Israel? Verse 4 tells us, nevertheless, the king's word prevails against Joab's objections. Joab, he's faithful. He goes throughout all of Israel, and he gives David the numbers. And it takes him nine and a half months to count or to get the numbers of all of Israel and Judah. 800,000 Israelites and 500,000 men of Judah. Quite an army. And David has nine and a half months, almost a year, to come to his senses. 
to call off this counting that God has forbidden. To not look upon this review of power that David is wanting to look upon. But David, he's headstrong. He's determined to know the number of Israel and Judah. And between verses 9 and 10, we have a little gap of time here. So let's read verses 10 through 17. And David's heart condemned him after he had numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. Now when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, thus says the Lord, I offer you three things. Uh, choose one of them for yourself that I may do it to you. David gets to choose his punishment. So Gad came to David and told him, and he said to him, Shall seven years of famine come upon, come upon you in the land, or shall you flee three months before your enemies while they pursue you, or shall there be three days of plague in your land? And this is uh, by the Lord. Now consider and see what answer I should take back to him who sent me. And David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Please let, let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. But do not let me fall into the hand of men. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from the morning till the appointed time, from Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men and people died. And when the angel stretched out his hands over Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the destruction and said to the angel who was destroying the people, It is enough. Now restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Surely I have sinned and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, be against me and against my father's house. Finally, after nine and a half months plus, David's heart condemns him. And it condemns him after he has numbered the people, after his sin. When David receives the number, it dawns on him, I have sinned. David confesses his great sin. O oh Lord, take away my iniquity, for I have been very foolish. David has his prideful heart now condemn him. As we read in Jeremiah, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Many times the ugliness of our sin finally dawns upon us, and it did on David. David's heart finally convicts him of his sin, and he, he must repent. 
David gives no excuse for his sin. David sees clearly that it's his pride and his vain glory for him to have sinned so foolishly. David's sin is against God ruling and reigning over Israel. And God sends his prophet Gad, and he sends him to David, and he says, choose one of these three punishments or penalties. You can have famine come upon the land of Israel for seven years. Or you can flee or run from your enemy for three months. Uh, uh, one of your Canaanite, perhaps, enemies or whoever, and you will be running for them for three months. Or you can choose a three-day plague that I, God, will send upon Israel. This is, this is an easy choice for David. He says, O Lord, allow us to fall into your hand and give me the three-day plague. Well, God does. God sends his angel of death, and he kills 70,000 people and is about to destroy Jerusalem when God declares, stop, that's enough. God relents, and he tells the angel, stop the killing. An interesting side note, if there was 1.3 million soldiers available, the population of Israel was roughly 6 million people. That happens to be the number that roughly in Israel today, 6 million. Interesting that it's close to being the same number. Note in verse 17, David confesses, Lord, I have sinned. It is me that has been wicked. But Lord, these your people, your sheep, what have they done? Lord, have your hand come against me, not the people. It grieved David that the people were being killed because of his sin. But in verse 1, we read that God's anger is where? It is against the people. It's not just David. God's anger is against Israel as a people. God's wrath is being poured out upon the people but it's more than David can bear, for David feels he is responsible. And David, in full repentance, asks God, via Gad the prophet, God, punish me, not the people. David has had to watch as thousands die. 70,000. Because he... David has been very foolish. That can bring a lot of guilt. David is confronted by the gravity of his sin as he watches his people die. And he thinks it's all because of him. And we see 
that in the midst of David's sin, he is totally sorrowful and repentant. Many times when a leader, a king, a president sins, who pays for the sin? The people, the nation. When King Saul sinned, he made excuses. When David sins, he takes it personal. He himself is remorseful, and he asks the Lord, Why do you punish the people because of my sin? Lord, I am the guilty one. Punish me in my father's house. And David, at the instructions of Gad the prophet, he will build an altar of sacrifice and worship God, but that's later in the chapter. But David in verse 10, has his heart condemn him for numbering the people. But it's, it took a year. He had to receive the number before his heart condemned him because David's pride would not allow him to see his sin. We can, we do oftentimes, make excuses for our sins. We sever our conscience. We grieve the Holy Spirit with thoughts that are logical, thoughts that are of our flesh. David is confronted by Joab. Don't count the people, David. But David is convinced he needs the numbers that are out there. He needs to know how many soldiers he has under his charge. But David, David's repentance is heartfelt, it's deep, it's convicting, and he's moved to repent. David is deeply grieved that others under his care and leadership now suffer because of his sin. What a lesson for us. Men, men, as head of your family, learn from David. David is devastated that people of Israel suffer because of his sin. Sin is not done in secret. It's not done off in a corner. Uh, some of you have heard me say, my mother used to pray for us, us kids, and she would say, make sure, Lord, that their sins find them out. And we'd say, oh, Mom, don't pray that. But sin is not done in a corner. David is told that his sin would be shouted from the rooftops, and it was. David's sin with Bathsheba and Uriah brought about insurrection within his own family. Absalom and how he uh, rose up against David and so forth. Now David 
sins by numbering the people and it brings a plague from God and a death angel goes about and destroys 70,000 people. 70,000 die in a plague. And David as king, he realizes it's because of my sin. Don't allow yourself to be tempted and sin and then have others suffer also because of your own sin. It's important that we live a righteous, holy life. If for nothing, no other reason that we don't bring reproach upon our families and upon our loved ones. Do not succumb to temptation. In fact, in the Lord's Prayer, we're told, lead me not into temptation. Because there is a penalty for sin. God forgives us, but many times the penalty must be paid. So, stay righteous, stay faithful before the Lord. Amen? And let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father, we do pray. Pray for a heart that is sensitive before you, Lord, a heart that will condemn us, convict us of our sins. We do not want to be sinning grievously against you, Lord, and have a blind, prideful eye towards our sin. Help us to be sensitive to your precepts, your commands, your ways, Lord. We need to live a righteous life as a witness unto you, Jesus, and a witness unto our families, and a witness unto those that we know as neighbors and loved ones. We need to live righteous. So help us, Lord. And may we learn from David how David grieved so severely after he sinned. Lord, help us to see sin before there's a penalty for it. Help us to see the temptation as for what it is, a temptation to sin against you. Lord, you're faithful to forgive us, but many times there is a penalty for our sins. Keep us from that, Lord, is our prayer. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.